0: you are not my father i am not a disgrace i am vengeance i am the knight i am batman You're listening to Hobo Radio. And now, your host, miniature dog enthusiast,
1: Joel Murphy. Hello again. I'm Joel Murphy. This is Hobo Radio. And this is a hard one. Like, this is a very difficult day. I think if you... Are a fan of this show? If you've listened to this show for any length of time, then you are probably aware how much Batman means to me, and particularly how much Kevin Conroy and Batman: The Animated Series meant to me. And I hearing that he, um, has passed away, and at much too young an age is. Absolutely devastating. He just, he was the character. He embodied Batman. And I know that I'm not alone in how much he meant to me, how much that show meant to my childhood. And just like, what a reassuring presence he was in my life. That show was probably my first true like favorite show as a kid that I just loved. And, and looking back at it now, wanting to become a writer, I think it was so formative because I would watch it and I would see the title cards and I, you know, I'd start to pay attention to who wrote the episode. And at that point in my life, I'd never thought about who wrote an episode before but then I'd start to go like oh Paul Dini wrote this one it's probably going to be good you know as a little kid and it started to form this idea that people write television shows it's a thing that's made instead of this this thing uh, you know as a kid that you just take for granted I, I don't know bugs bunny is on but no this was a show and people made it and then the other side of that is that people voiced it you know the characters and obviously at some point i learned that luke skywalker voiced the Joker, which I think like everyone else, that blew my mind. But then, you know, there was this guy who played Batman and just everything about Kevin Conroy is so fascinating because he wasn't a fan of the character. It was something he auditioned, he was an actor and he got this part, but then he became Batman. He embodied Batman and he lived up to The sort of weight of that for 30 years, which I'm sure he didn't know what he was signing up for, but he became such an amazing just ambassador for the show and for the community and for the character. And he really dove into it with Mark Hamill's help. You know, he really learned everything he needed to know about being Batman and he lived up to it. And it was an absolute dream come true of mine to get to speak to him in 2009. And this has remained one of my favorite moments for Hobo Trash Can, for Hobo Radio, because this was before, too, obviously, Zoom and and video chats. And so when I spoke to him, we, you know, it was a phone interview. Like, so I couldn't see him. And in my mind, you know, the, the weight that Batman has, the weight that Batman the Animated Series has is such a special and important show. And, you know, so I'm sitting in a room like I'm doing right now and I'm speaking to him, but because I can't see him, I'm essentially interviewing Bruce Wayne, you know? I mean, the, the voice in my head and whatever parts of my brain are lighting up, all I could feel like is that I was a little kid and i was getting to talk to bruce wayne and obviously all i wanted in the world speaking to him was to find an excuse to get him to do the batman voice and obviously i think he understood that and as you hear in the interview like he he does slip into it a couple times we get a little bit of batman and it it couldn't have meant more to me it's still so special in my heart and i love talking to him so much and he's just such an interesting person. I love his story. I love his thoughts on the character. There's some great stuff about Christian Bale's Batman that he talks about in here. And just everything that you would want to know about him playing the character is in here. The only thing that is missing that I will say before I roll the interview is this past year, they released a DC Pride comic. He wrote a story in it. And he talked very candidly and very lovely about uh, being gay and sort of uh, those experiences, some of them being quite terrible early on in his career, and then getting this role as Batman and sort of how it helped him just accept and understand himself. And it's such a moving story, and it's so worth seeking out. And, and reading, and it really helped put all of his work in this different context for me. And he just, you know, gave us so much. And it was interesting to get this insight into, you know, him getting that. So, obviously, that came out this past year. So, in 2009, when I spoke to him, uh, we don't talk about that in any of the interview. But anything else that you'd want to know? It's all here and I hope you enjoy it. And I hope it brings you some comfort today because we lost an icon. Uh, We lost someone who is truly one of a kind. We lost Batman. How did you get into acting? Uh, what what made you decide that you wanted to do it for a living? Um, well, that's that's a more loaded
0: question than you realize. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, um, mm, I was uh, I, I went to a very um, strict Catholic schools when I was uh, in grammar school, and then my family moved to um, Connecticut, and I went into the public school system in uh, seventh grade, and I had a really, really rough time adjusting. Um, You know, I was used to uniforms and a strict schedule and no one ever speaking out of turn and um, reciting the catechism every day. And all of a sudden, kids were talking back to teachers and wandering around the room, and you know, it was a very, very liberal, uh, very progressive school uh, in Connecticut. And I just didn't, um, I didn't fit in and I, and I couldn't, I didn't know how to function at all. I was really lost. And, um, they initially were suggesting the guidance counselor that I might need, um, um, some kind of special, um, uh, special ed. That there, you know, some specialized courses, and this one English teacher who ran the drama program in the school on the side um, uh, asked me to make some comments about um, Spoon River Anthology, which is the play the sh- the school was going to do. So I. I did. And, and she asked me to audition for the play, which I, I did. I'd never even seen a play. And, um, she sort of took me under her wing. She realized that it wasn't a learning problem that I had. It was really, um, just a cultural, uh, problem I was having adjusting to a, a new kind of school. And, um, I ended up being in all a level classes after that. Um, and, um, um, being an old school place. Um, so then when I went on to the local high school, um, she suggested that I audition for the high school acting troupe, which was the best in New England. It's, it was kind of a well-known uh, school for, for acting. And um, and I got in, and I started getting the leads in all those plays. And it really helped all my other classes Again, I was getting A's in all my glasses. So it seemed to be a key for me to um, really unlocking me and my imagination. So um, I ended up graduating high school early and um, uh, auditioning for Juilliard and um, getting a scholarship and moving into New York when I was 17 and uh, going to Juilliard. So it was really, it it was kind of a... It was a result of a very caring and attentive teacher um, realizing that there was a kid who was having trouble and um, thinking that theater might be a way out of it, and um, and it stuck and it it became a
1: so lifestyle. That's great, actually. That that's a really that cool a story.
0: Place. It's uh, an interesting story. That's why I said it's a bigger <laughs> it's a bigger question than you thought. I mean it's. Yeah. It was actually a lifestyle change and, and it would very easily have gotten, uh, it it could have had a very, very unhappy ending. If I hadn't happened to stumble on that English teacher, Um, I was headed for real trouble and um, I ended up doing great. Um, so,
1: so so once you went to Juilliard, um, from there, um, did you just go straight into theater acting or, or what was the next step after that?
0: Well, Juilliard is, you know, it's a very traditional classical training program, especially then. I was the last group that John Hausman was in charge of. He, he founded the school and um, he ran it until about my third year. And then a man named Alan Schneider took over and Alan um, uh, changed the program somewhat. But under john it was very very classical training program with uh, french mask technique and um you know studying the speech book speak with distinction and stage makeup courses and stage combat courses and uh, modern dance every morning with um, anna Sokolo who was one of the great pioneers in modern dance she she started she she partnered with uh, uh martha graham when they started um, training together. So, you know, so you had these great classical training teachers uh, who were training you in a traditional theater um, to be traditional theater actors. Um, so when I got out, I joined the acting company, which is a graduate National Touring Company of Graduates from Juilliard. And we performed King Lear and Mother Courage and uh, Tennessee Williams' and Camino Reel. Uh, you know, real classic Shakespeare um, and modern classics like Brecht and, um, and American classics like Williams. and. Um, um, but the theater that I was trained for was in its waning period. You you couldn't really, within a few years of getting out of Juilliard, you couldn't really make a living in the theater anymore. So um, television was taking over big time. And uh, um, so I did uh, the acting company and then I did uh, Broadway, uh, Death Trap, uh, it's a thriller. Um, I did the national tour of Death Trap for a year. Uh, I did a play for... Uh, Edward Albee, um, Lolita, which was short-lived. And um, and I've always kept in touch with the theater. I did uh, a season at the Old Globe in San Diego, a season at the Hartford Stage Company. Um, I did a play called Eastern Standard on Broadway that I was very proud of. It was Richard Greenberg's first play. So I've always kept in touch with theater. But within a few years of getting out of Juilliard, I realized I have to do television uh, to make a living. So I did... Um, The first thing I did was Another World Soap Opera in New York that, uh, a lot of theater people in New York do soaps, um, during the day to make money. And, uh, my first day on Another World, um... I was working with Brian Murray and Pamela Peyton Wright and Carol Shelley and um all these incredible stage actors um stage actors and I, I was so shocked that that's where they were during the day and um Ray Liotta was on that with me. Uh, he was starting out there too. Um, and then um that led to doing primetime work. I did uh the first thing I did on primetime was Dynasty. Um and then I did um a series called Tour of Duty about Vietnam, um, and then a series with Christine Ebersole called Rachel Gunn, R.N., and, and a lot of um, TV movies in in the midst of all that. But uh, always going back to the theater in between jobs. So I was doing what what most stage actors do now, which is theater when I can, but sort of sandwiched between. Um, uh, jobs that make money, uh, which is television, um, television. And uh, while I was in L.A., uh, I think it was right after Tour of Duty, um, my voiceover actor, my voiceover agent, um, suggested I go in on this new thing that Warner Brothers was doing, this Batman animated show, even though I'd never done an animated voice before. Uh, I had done some voiceovers commercially. I'd never done a lot of commercial work. I, that seemed to be a whole other career to me. and I didn't go down that road. But um, I did do voiceovers, which were easier to do. Uh, you could sort of fit them between stage plays and stuff. Um, but I'd never done animation voiceover. And Batman was the first animation I went in on. I really wasn't that familiar with the character. I mean, I only knew the bro- the uh, Adam West's, you know, 70s kind of campy series, late 60s. Um, I didn't, uh, I wasn't familiar with the dark Knight, Um, so, um, we didn't have a lot of comic books when I was a kid. As I said, I went to a very conservative, uh, Catholic grammar school. Uh, we didn't, we weren't encouraged to read comic books. (laughs) (laughs) So I didn't, um, I didn't have a lot of exposure to that before. Uh, so that was all new to me which I think is part of possibly why I got the job because I came with no preconceptions. When, when I told them the, uh, my only experience was the, um, the sixes, the, the Adam West show, they, the Bruce, Tim and Paul Dini immediately said, no, 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 don't go, don't go that way. That, that's a whole different thing. No, this is, and they described the, uh, the noir film noir quality of it, the drama, the kid losing his parents and avenging their death. And, uh, lives in a cave and has an alter ego and, um, it was a whole different, much darker, uh, much more substantive show than I had, I had understood. So I came with no preconceptions at all, really sort of a clean slate. And I just used my imagination when I was in the booth to come up with what I thought would be an appropriate sound, um, for the character. And they, they loved it. Um, so it was kind of a, a fortuitous, uh, meeting of, of my training and background and total ignorance about the character. And then just using my imagination to, to fulfill what they were looking for in the audition. It was just a very unusual combination of, of events happening at the same time that, that led to my getting that job.
1: So was there a period uh, after you got the job where you went and kind of brushed up on Batman or, or sort of
0: learned? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. 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 And it was great about that was, um, was uh, Mark Hamill. He is uh, kind of a savant about animation. He's brilliant. And he's that's his thing. He has an amazing um, cell collection and, and comic book collection and. Um, he's kind of like a teenage boy. You know, he's never gotten over that period of his life. He's he's completely addicted to everything about animation and comics and everything. So he was a real source of information about all that.
1: Uh, well, that's, that's interesting that you mentioned that because I, I did want to ask you about Mark Hamill because you two have obviously worked together for, for years now and... Uh... You kind of saying that he sort of has this opposite approach where he was really into the comics and you weren't the you You sort of on the show always had this foil relationship where you guys were opposites, obviously um, What is it oh, been yeah. like working with him for all these years because obviously you guys are in the same room together Doing it kind of like a stage play. I mean, what what is that relationship? Well, you like? know, he, he has
0: this yeah, he has a stage background too. He loves working on the stage and he Um, So when you get actors like that together in a booth, there's always a lot of improvisation and a lot of give and take. And um, we have a lot of fun together when we're in the booth together. Um, Warner Brothers, as opposed to, uh, unlike the other studios, likes to get all the actors together for the bookings of animated shows so that we record them kind of like radio plays. Um, There's a great deal of give and take between the actors, because they do that, even though it makes editing much harder for them. Um, like Disney and stuff, they like to get the actors separately in the booth because then they have a very, a totally clean take and they can, you know, um, technically control, uh, what happens with the sound completely. Um, when you have interaction of actors uh, in the same studio together, um, you don't have as much technical control but you get much better performances, um, and much more interesting performances. And that's what Warner was looking for. Um, And so when you get stage actors in a situation like that, which is what Andrea always tends to prefer, um, you get a lot of give and take, and a lot of improvisation, a lot of fun. The bookings are always a very, very entertaining um, session. Guest actors love to come in on our bookings because um, they've always heard that they're a lot of fun, and they are. So when Mark and I get in there together, we just go crazy because his character is so insane. And he he really becomes the Joker. His face transforms. He practically devours the microphone. And he becomes physically very animated. Like, he can't sit down while he's recording. He has to stand through the whole thing. And he's very physical. Um, so there's a lot of... Uh, we got a lot of fun together.
1: Uh, So when did you start to to get any indication that this show might be something special? As you said, you didn't really have a background in Batman and, and I would imagine early on you didn't really know what it was you were a part of. When did you start to realize people really love this? Today,
0: you know, when we record, we do the voices first, we get the scripts and we do the voices first. And then about six months later, and then those tapes are sent off to the artists. And then about six months later, the artwork comes back. And you do a process called ADR, which is syncing up the soundtrack to the artwork and filling in any extra um, mouth flaps that they need dialogue for or changed lines that they decide to change because it doesn't quite fit the artwork, the mouth flaps. So that ADR process is the last thing that happens before it goes on the air. So when we had started recording these in 91, it wasn't until close to 92, or, you know, halfway through 91, that Mark and I went in together to do the first ADR session on the first episodes. And we were sitting in a booth on the lock at Warner Brothers, and there's this huge screen that's the size of a wall. And it's suddenly this um, uh, incredible score (laughs) comes up. And um, uh, brilliant color on the screen and this dramatic uh, noir cityscape comes on. And I looked over at Mark. I said, did you have any idea that this is what this was going to look like? (laughs) He was just blown out of the room. We both were. We were both speechless. We were both supposed to say our lines and neither of us were. We were just sitting there with our mouths hanging open. We were blown away at how beautiful it was because remember no one had spent that much money on, on animation, television, animation before Warner Brothers doubled the budget basically. And at first the show aired prime time on Fox. It was a prime time series. So they spent a lot of money on that show. It was a full symphony score. No comics had used that before. Um, uh, so it was, it was, it was amazing that, that I'll never forget that moment. Both of us just sitting there in silence. The, the, and I said to him, this is going to be, I said, this is going to be a blockbuster. This is going to blow people away. He said, yeah, you're right. This is going to be a huge, huge hit. That's who we knew. That's the day we knew. It was before it even got on the air. We both knew. We said, this, this is going to be a huge hit. Neither of us knew it was going to go on for 18 years and you know four different shows, you know different incarnations But we both knew it was going to be a -A. Well,
1: I wanted to ask you about that too because you know when the original show uh, Came to a close in 95 like at that point Did you think you were done? Like did you think you were done playing Batman? Or did you know that there were gonna be another incarnation coming along or
0: no, I had no idea I had no idea. I really didn't you know It's funny how animation is done. Every day you go in for the booking, and I've done hundreds and hundreds of episodes over four different series now and lots of TV movies. Every day I go in, they have a complete set of contracts for me to sign. Every single episode has separate contracts. Isn't that amazing? So you have no guarantee ever of ever going on to another show. Wow. Even another episode.
1: Yeah, that's a crazy way to, <laughs> to make a living.
0: Isn't that, isn't that wild? But think of the, the paperwork that the studio goes through. Every single episode is contractually separate. So I have no hold on them, but they have no hold on me. So, so, are, you, so are.
1: are you surprised at the, the length that it's gone then, since it's kind of been this day-at-a-time kind of uh, method?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, wouldn't you be? <laughs> I had no idea that this would go on, and it's just because the the quality of the work was so so high. You know, the art work and the writing, and the I think a lot of it had to do with the loyalty of the fans too. Uh, the audience just kept demanding more. Um, they, they the audience was demanding more of um, the adventures of Batman, uh, the first series on that was on Fox, but um, and then it went to WB. But they wanted more. The reason that show stopped wasn't because it fell off in the ratings or anything. It was because Bruce Timm and Paul Dini were wrung out. They needed a break. They just couldn't do it anymore. Um, Warner Brothers wanted to have more. So that's why they came up with... Um, uh, ultimately you know, Batman Beyond and then the Justice League. They had wanted to use... Uh, the character more they just they ran out of ideas story ideas and and they were, they were just kind of wrung out So they needed a fresh take on it
1: uh, so for you as an actor the these different um incarnations of, of the show, you know The the justice league and the the batman beyond have they felt different to you coming in like does each project kind of feel unique, Um, or is it just kind of all fall under the same batman performance category?
0: Well, both. To be honest, it's both. Um, they do fall under the same Batman because um, the producers and the writers are largely the same. And um, the director, Andre Romano, has been consistent. Um, and she knows the character as well as I do. So she knows exactly where I should go in terms of performance. And she knows how to work with me in terms of... Um, how to how to make me come up with what she thinks the character needs, or the writers need. So in that sense, there's a lot of consistency, and I think that consistency is important um, for the story and for the fans. Uh, it's what they tune in to hear. And and uh, um, but on the other hand, each ensemble has been different, and every time you bring in the chemistry, a different chemistry it does make it a different experience. So even though a lot of what I bring may be the same, the the experience is very different. With the Justice League, it's a whole different group of actors. It's a totally different group of actors. Um, you know, The Flash and Wonder Woman and Green Lantern. I mean, it's... It, it, and, and Batman And that is the outsider. The way they worked him into that, he's the strong, silent... Um, other. He's the other guy. He's the guy who doesn't quite fit in. Um, So I was always the outsider in that show. Um, So that was very different. And then in Batman Beyond, of course, I'm old Bruce Wayne and I have to pass the mantle on to uh, Terry McGillis, McGinnis. Um, So that was a real stretch for me. But but mentally, it's the same character. It's it's the same man.
1: Uh, well, did exactly. I, yeah yeah no, that makes total sense. Um, but I, I wanted to ask you too, just a little more on like the technical side. Um, the the two distinct voices that um, you came up with, because I I think that that's always been the brilliance uh, of your performance, and that's something that I know a lot of other people who are fans of the show have always mentioned is that you had this distinctive. Batman voice and this Bruce Wayne voice uh, That that were separate and and I was just curious how That developed how you you found those two different voices And was that just something that was always Present from the beginning is that something that they wanted to be in the show
0: In the beginning it was actually my idea And it was um, Much more pronounced in the first few episodes um, I thought dramatically it would make the story, just give it more color and make it more interesting if there was a, a um, an auditory difference between the two characters. That would make sense why people don't recognize him when he's in this mask and his cowl, um, who know him as Bruce Wayne, you know. Um but then and it was fun to do it for actors are always looking for ways to complicate their job you know they're always looking for ways to make it more interesting and more complicated and more challenging so for me as an actor it was a lot more fun to do that we did about three episodes that way maybe four and then um, they called me in and said look we've decided the the um, this is in 91 when we first started just done like three or four episodes the the color palette of the show is going to be even darker than we had thought. It's going to be very film noir. And the score is going to be very dark. Um, and the the voice you're using as Bruce Wayne is just too light. It's too, he's too much, he's having too much fun. Uh, Because I made Bruce Wayne really like a playboy with a lot of fun, a lot of wry sense of humor. He was laughing a lot um, to to contrast him with Batman. And um, they said, you've got to tone all that down. So we went back and re recorded just the Bruce Wayne lines for the first few episodes. So there was a slight difference um, in the characters but it was, it was believably the same guy, and it was a more serious version. It's much closer to my own voice. The Bruce Wayne voice is pretty much my voice. And then the Batman voice is, you know, that other sound that I go to to get into that, that character. Um, so there's not as much of a difference, but, um, but it's still distinct. And yes, I came up with both sounds.
1: That's brilliant. That, that, that's very cool that you thought of that. Cause that, like I said, that that's definitely something that I always hear people mention about the show and that. And that I always notice about the show that, that I think it does make a huge difference.
0: Um, well, there had to be a reason that, you know, when he's dealing, well, that they don't say, wait a minute, you're Bruce Wayne with a mask. <laughs> <laughs> if the voice was completely the same, it wouldn't make any sense, you know? There had to be a, an auditory difference.
1: Uh, well, so, uh, and I, I wanted to ask you, too, j- just um, as your opinion, since, since you've played the character so long, um, obviously uh, Christian Bale um, caught some flack for his uh, a Batman voice, which was maybe a little too uh, gruff and different. Um, did you, uh, I don't know if you've seen The Dark Knight, but I mean, if you've seen his performances, what, what did oh, you think? Oh, he's a one he's
0: blackbird. flacker. He's a terrific Terrific actor, and he really captures uh, the Batman um, character. Um, and I love those films; that they they're, the, the, they come the closest to me to to capturing the the magic of the animated show. Because I think that Batman is, since it is an animated show, it is a cartoon. That's the genre that it belongs in. It's very hard to do live action of any animation show. And so I think that a lot of the Batman shows have seen, seemed kind of odd to me. And that one, the Christian Bale one, um, is the closest to to being, to, to capturing that magic of the Bob Kane uh, and the Dark Knight series and stuff. Um, on the other hand, I think that someone should have stopped him from doing that voice, um, that he was doing with when he had the cowl on, um, it just sounds so forced. Um, the audience, it, it, it's too, it's too extreme. It's exactly why the producers had me go back and re-record those early episodes. If it's too extreme a difference, um, it draws attention to itself and it makes the audience um out of the movie. You know what I mean? You never want to do something that's so jarring that it reminds the audience that they're watching a movie. Once they've been sucked into a story, you want to keep them sucked into the story. You don't want to do something that's so jarring that it makes them go, oh, wait a minute, this is a movie. You know what I mean? Right. And, and, the, and that voice that he was doing was, was so different that it, it, it jarred people out of the movie, and it was unbelievable. Um, and I think that that's why it didn't work. Oh. Um, but when you're an actor and you're, and you're in it and you're doing it, you really rely on other people to tell you that if something's not working like that. So I, I don't think he, he obviously didn't have any idea that it, that it wasn't working.
1: Yeah. And, and I think you're right. It, it, and it is a shame because like you said, I mean, the movies are so brilliantly done, but that is the one thing. Oh, it's beautifully of- done. And his performance is
0: fantastic. And the
1: and the camera work, I mean, everything about
0: those films is beautiful. It's just that voice. It's like, why didn't someone stop him?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, and, and it's the one thing that every critic has criticized it for. And it, it really hurts the movies. It's just a shame.
1: Uh, well, I know too that, that you've actually um, done voice work on the other two uh, Batman shows where you actually don't do the voice of Batman. Um, you did a voice on oh. the Batman and you were on Batman the Brave and the Bold. Uh, so I was kind of curious right. what was that like um, to, to not be Batman in the show and, and then what do you think of, you know, Diedrich Bader and uh, Reno Romano, their portrayals of Batman? Uh,
0: Well, they're, 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 they're they're terrific in their own way. I mean, everybody, you know, does what they do. Um, um, and, um, it's like when I met, um, Adam West did the gray ghost on, uh, on my show. Um, you just, you know, you're gracious to the next person doing the role and, uh, Uh, Everyone does their own thing. Adam West was great as the Grey Ghost. That was a great episode. Uh, Yeah, that's a great episode. So, uh, yeah, everyone brings their own quality to the character. No one owns Batman.
1: Um, So, uh, you have to go with it. Do do you find yourself discussing portraying Batman with the other guys has that ever come up like the finer points of the role
0: no I've only met them that time that I did that that voice um I haven't uh I haven't uh really had much interaction with them um I live in New York and and those are done in LA so um uh I only did that voice while I was there
1: okay uh well, I wanted to ask you, too, about your, uh, your two most recent uh, Batman projects. The first was uh, Batman Arkham Asylum, um, which has just gotten a great reaction. A lot of people have really loved that. And that uh, had Mark Hamill in it again and Paul Dini writing the scripts. Uh, I was wondering what that was like, because it's almost, in a way, you're, you're sort of doing something similar to the animated stuff, but yet it's a much darker thing, and the, the look is completely different. The feel, I would imagine, is completely different on that.
0: Well, any any kind of
1: computer game is so hard to record because
0: um, you've got to record every variable um, that the game can go depending on how it's played. So you're literally in the studio for four hours at a time alone um, just recording... Lines over and over and over and over again. And each line they want three or four different takes of, depending on what kind of, you know, take they're going to want to keep. And you've got to keep each take fresh. And this goes on for four hours. And then you break for lunch and then you do four more hours. They get you eight hours a day. Uh, This goes on for two or three days. (laughs) (laughs) That's doing a computer game. It's a totally different experience than doing an episode of the show. Episode of the show is like doing a little radio play You're, you're you're really acting in real time with the other actors. It's a lot of give and take. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's, um, it takes about two hours to record. It's, um, it's easy. It's, it's a lot of fun. The games recordings are grueling and, uh, um, there's a real trick to it because you've got to keep it fresh and there's no one else to bounce off of to get energy off of. Um, so you gotta, you know, keep the fresh for eight hours a day.
1: Yeah, that, that's definitely, uh, would be, yeah. And it seems counterintuitive to like what you're saying with the, the way that you like to do things. So I can see how that would be. Yeah. Well, the way any actor likes to do things, I mean, it's just, it's a very hard, it's a very hard way to work.
0: And, um, they, they, the producers know that, though. But that's just the way it has to be recorded. Um, and um, it's, it's a very, very—they couldn't be more different. The process,
1: two different processes. Um, are you someone? Ha- have you played the game at all? Is that something that you're interested in? Have you actually
0: sat down and played it? Or have you? I haven't. To be honest, I haven't. Um, I, I, I have it, but I haven't played it yet. To be honest.
1: Okay. Uh, it's fun. You should try it. I
0: uh, should. <laughs> I'm a little twentieth century in my computer abilities. It's. Uh, I, I still don't find the computer a real friend. <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm
1: getting there. Um, well, I, I wanted to ask you too about uh, Superman, Batman, Public Enemies, which uh, actually came out today. Um, so, just kind of wondered uh, what people can expect from that. I know it's uh, it's a little bit. It just came out today. I believe so. Yeah.
0: I didn't realize that. I thought it been out. Oh, wow. Um, it's a great show, and um, I wish I had more to do in it. It's really um, uh, Lex Luthor's show, but um, you know, ev- everyone gets their own show eventually, and this is um, this is his. Um, but Tim and I have some fun interaction. As as Batman and Superman, Um, and I've known him for I guess about 15 years now. So um, we we interact well whenever we do work together. And um, Clancy Brown, you know, has has been doing the voice for probably just as long. So it's it was great getting the three of us together. Andrea was responsible for that, and um, because we've known each other for so long. there's a lot of interaction that happens and there's a lot that's, you know, how each other works right away and there's a lot of mutual respect there. So they save a lot of time when they hire actors who know, not only know the characters, but know each other because we know how each other likes to work. Um, We know what to expect from each other, you know, that kind of thing.
1: And uh, so the story, it's uh, Lex Luthor is president and he's trying to, come after. How
0: frightening is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's like everyone's nightmare of what might happen to this country. Lex Luthor becomes president. God. <laughs>
1: um, so you, you have now played Batman for, if my math is correct, 18 years here, um, which is yeah. an incredibly long run. Um, is it like, how much longer do you see yourself doing it? Obviously you said you have no clue, you know, you're kind of going day to day, but is this something you can see yourself doing? for years is, are you happy? I mean, obviously you, you must like it cause you've been doing it so long, but is it, are you still just, I would
0: love it? to, uh, yeah, I love doing it and I would love to do more of it. Uh, it's really up to Warner brothers, um, how much they want to use the classic Batman sound, uh, as opposed to the younger, um, actors. Um, it's really up to them. The reaction at comic con was, was huge to, uh, to the screening of, um, Arkham Asylum, and um, um, I know Warner was really happy about that, so um, hopefully they'll use me into the future, but there are no guarantees in this life, as you know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And and is there a part of you that that maybe wants to do other stuff as well? I I don't know if you're still doing theater stuff at all, or or is there sort of this other side of you that maybe wants to, to branch out and do other stuff? or
0: Well, everybody always wants to stretch and do other stuff, Um, but um, I do. uh, I do a lot of commercial voiceovers, um, and um, I haven't actually done any theater in a while. Um, Eight shows a week is hard to do. I I my hat is off to one of my best friends is an actress, uh, Christine Eversole, who does a lot of Broadway, and um, you know it's amazing to me when I go to see her. Cause she does musicals. I've, I've never done musicals. She does you know, eight shows a week. Of that is tough. Um, so I, I love doing it, but I haven't actually done it in a while. So now I'm doing almost all uh, commercial voiceovers and, uh, and animation voiceovers.
1: Uh, well, I have a question that I, I ask everyone, but, um, again, with you, you, this might be a, a bit more of a, a loaded question perhaps than, uh, normal uh, considering your story. But, um, I I like to ask everyone, what would you be doing for a living if you never got into acting? which obviously for you is kind of an interesting question.
0: Boy, I have no idea, to be honest, since I started so young. Um, I do not have a clue. Um, I really might've gotten into trouble. I, I don't know. Um, I was, I was uh, lost and, um, and acting was really more focused to me. So I don't
1: know. Um, tell me something that. Um, that's, a, that's a big oh. question. Um, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off there. Um, t- okay. Tell me something that uh, most people don't know about you.
0: Gosh. Most people don't know about me. You mean most of the audience, or most of my friends, or um, I, most most of the audience? I mean, I I, I love to um, restore old houses. That's my hobby. Um, I did about four of them in L.A. before I moved back to New York, and I've done two of them here. Um, I love working with my hands, um, and I uh, I love working outside. I, I love installing gardens and working in the earth. Uh, I love doing physical work like that. And I do a lot of it. I've done a lot of houses. (laughs) And um, a lot of um, um, outside work. I love doing that. I love getting outside in the earth. Uh,
1: um,
0: That's something that most of the fans probably don't know about. um,
1: One thing I was curious about with you, too, is uh, just... um, you know speaking of the fans and i have paint on almost all my clothes i have paint on all my clothes
0: <laughs> my sneakers my jeans you find paint everywhere what what about me
1: what were you saying oh well i was just curious uh, for you because i'm always a little curious about actors getting recognized and stuff uh, for you so so if you're in like home depot or something you're, you're stocking up to to restore your next house or something did, Do you, I would imagine, do you get recognized like by your voice? Do do you ever, do people hear your voice and and it clicks that you're Batman? How often does that happen to you?
0: I'm always amazed when people, I always think it's a totally anonymous job. And I'm always amazed when people recognize the name. Um, I recently um, had to get some work done on my car and I took it to a a garage um, that I hadn't used before. And they asked for my information and I gave them my name and they said, uh, the guy looked up and he said, uh, that must be a weird name to have. He said, you know, that's the guy in animation. <laughs> and I said, well, which guy? He said, the guy who does Batman, that's the same name. I said, well, that's me. He said, get out of here. I said, no, really, that's me. So I did, I did, I'm sitting in this garage and I went, I am vengeance. I am the nice guy. I am Batman. And he said, holy crap. <laughs> he said, you really are Batman. And, um, I, uh, I said, yeah. I said, well, what are you doing in New York? I said, I live in New York. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's always surprise. It always amazes me when people know who the name is of the animated character. But I guess I've been doing it so long that some people know the name. But the only people that ever recognize the voice, um, it's happened with kids sometimes, like little kids, um, might pick up the voice, and then they freak out. And I have to explain to their parents that the child isn't having a heart attack. <laughs> the <laughs> child is recognizing my voice. Um, but no, people don't usually pick up the voice because it's a different voice.
1: You, yeah, you'd have to, I would imagine you'd have uh, to be no. kind of really tired or, or something to <laughs> kind of be hitting that low register just in your
0: daily life. Well, when I first started doing the sound in 91... I did it by, because as I said, I'd never done animation before, and I figured it would be an easy job to have. I just really pushed down on my vocal cords and just shoved my throat down. And, you know, being in the stage, I know that that was a really bad way to produce sound. You don't do that on stage because you'd have to do it eight times a week and you couldn't do it. But I figured, oh, you know, half an hour every couple of weeks, that's not going to be a problem, or two hours, whatever it's going to be. And um, I started losing my voice after a few weeks. And uh, the Bruce Tim was not happy. He said, look, we've already established this as a sound. You've got to come up with a way to make this sound without losing your voice. So I had to go back to, to working it through by figuring out how to do it by supporting the, the, from the, my diaphragm rather than producing the sound the wrong way. So there are no shortcuts. You know, I thought that I could use a shortcut and I learned the hard way that there are none. <laughs>
1: um, what does the future hold for you?
0: Nobody knows that answer. Nobody ever knows that answer. Life is what happens when you're busy making other plans, right? Right. I have no idea. I have no idea. Um, I just finished uh, redoing another house. Um, I have no idea what's going to happen next. Well, hopefully, I'm, I'm open to all possibilities. I'm. 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 I'm not afraid of the future, but I don't know what it is.
1: Hopefully there's some more Batman in there too, though. <laughs> we... I, I want the fans to
0: remind Warner Brothers that they they want lots more Batman.
1: <laughs> um, well I have uh, so did you get anything? Yeah, this is great. Um, I actually just. Okay, have, good. Uh, one more request for you if if I can because um, I, oh, I sure. I'd actually like to to play some audio highlights from this. We do a weekly podcast in addition to the print interview. Uh-huh. Um, So I was wondering if I could just get you to do an intro uh, for the podcast just to play at the top of it Just sure something like uh, this is Kevin Conroy And if you wanted to throw in the voice of Batman, I think that would be awesome because I think you are the official voice of Batman but uh Just something like you know, this is Kevin Conroy the voice of Batman and you're listening to hobo radio or something like that That would be awesome. Uh, Just whenever okay
0: This is
1: Kevin Conroy the voice
0: of Batman and you're listening to Hobo Radio, so stay tuned.
1: Seriously, that was awesome. Those, yeah, seriously, I I love talking to you. This is a great interview, and I have been a big fan of your work for years now, so it was nice to actually get to sit here and talk to you. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Hobo Radio is a production of HoboTrashCan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on iTunes. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. Hey guys, it's Sean. And Carter. From Potato Salad Marmalade. Aid. 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 Potato Aide. Salad Marmalade. Another podcast here on the Peak Sloth Network. Check it out.